0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. And I'm so excited about this Eternity Series, and this is Lesson 3. And by the way, Thursday's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody this coming Thursday but I'm ministering next weekend. So I'm going to be here. I'm going to be teaching lesson four, and I think it's the groundbreaking lesson in this series. It's incredible. So if you're free, you're not out of town, I'll be here next weekend at all the services teaching. I, I want to open up with this quote. This is Rick Warren. When you live in the light of eternity, your priorities change. And that's why I titled this Eternity, Living This Life for the Next. When, when, you, when you think about I'm an eternal creature, how I live my life now impacts that life. It literally changes your priorities. And today's lesson is a priority changer. And this is something I have to remind myself of regularly. So I want you to know up front, I can forget about what we're about to teach today. So I have to keep reminding myself of it. And here's the question I want to ask you. First thing I want to ask you today, do you have an activity in your life that when you do it, you lose track of time? what activity would that be for you? You lose track of time, right? I mean, for all of us, when we're with our wives, I mean, just time stands still, right? But we're talking about an activity, right? An activity. What is it? Now, for me, it's riding in my Jeep. I have a Jeep Wrangler. It's a rag top. I put the top down. It's manual, and and I can get lost riding my Jeep. Uh, uh, Right when the fall leaves were just perfect, we had those warm days in the fall, guys. And uh, Gene and I have our same day off on Monday. And she was tied up. I said, you know what? I'm going to drive up to Canfield to White House Farms. I'm going to get some apples, but then I'm going to take a little ride. Gina said, go ahead, do it. And so I did. I came home four hours four hours later. She goes, did you stop somewhere? I said, no. She said, you rode that long, that far? I said, yeah. I said, honey. I said, I was in a t-shirt. The hot sun was hitting my skin. The hot air was banging. I said, I'm going around curves and shifting. I'm going downhills up here shifting. I said, I'm going over bridges, seeing water and leaves. I said, I lost track of time. And she was so happy for me. I mean, she was happy. And I can ride that Jeep, totally lose track of time. What do you lose track of time doing? What can you get lost in? Because God gets lost in something God wants us to get lost in something. He wants us to lose uh, track of time. He wants us to be so consumed with it. And it's our big idea for today, guys. And here's how the big idea goes it just simply goes like this We can get lost in God's heart for the lost. We're going to talk about the lost today. And and, and, you know, if you're visiting and and you say, Hey, I'm not a Christian, or you're listening uh, on the internet or TV, hey, That's not a negative term, the lost. You know what it's referring to? It's referring to someone that hasn't met Jesus. And guess what? The reason you're lost is because God's pursuing and trying to find you. He just hasn't found you yet. And he's he's looking to find you and he's doing all kind of things to find you. But you and I can get lost in God's heart for the lost. And God has this incredible heart for people that don't know Jesus. So let me tell you another quick story. When I first met Jesus, I was nineteen. And I I came out of that experience of accepting him just consumed with reaching people for Jesus. I just wanted to reach everybody that didn't know Jesus and tell them, about Jesus, and that lasted about two years. Then, after two years, I I, it, I just noticed one day I loved Jesus, but I was consumed with Joseph, and, and and it wasn't bad. I mean, I just was so consumed with my life, I forgot about the loss, and it was just all about what can God do for me, what can Jesus do for me, and and nothing bad about it. I still loved him, and that happens to each and every one of us. So here's here's how I changed that. You ready? I learned how highly. God values the lost. He puts a value. Do you know that God values the lost more than anything in the universe? That's the most important thing in all the world is someone that doesn't know Christ. So I wanna, what I want to do today, I want to share four thoughts. These thoughts will bless us, and it's, it's about you too. This is how God sees all of us. Even after we're Christians, he still sees us this way. But these four thoughts will help you understand the heart of God towards the lost, and it's just going to make us get lost in God's heart for the lost. So I have to remind myself, you have to remind yourself of these things. Here's the first of four thoughts. God sacrificed his son for the lost. Simple, right? But here, here's a question. You ready? Who would you take a bullet for without hesitation? You get the last part without hesitation. Who would you take a bullet for without hesitation? Now, I hope I don't offend anyone in this crowd when I tell you who I would take a bullet for without hesitation. But But here it is. My wife my kids, Michelle and Steve, uh, Joe and Aaron, uh, Deanna and Corey, Dave, and my grandkids, Riley and Joey. Now, what I mean by, I mean, I don't have to think at all. There's no calculation. I would, I would take a bullet for Who is that in your life? Now, other people that I really like, some I love, there's going to be some calculation going on, like, you know, who's more valuable? Uh, How old are they? Are they living for God? Can I do more for God's kingdom? And it might take seconds, but it's going to happen. Up in our head, there's a hesitation. Listen, Jesus took a bullet for us by going to that cross, and he didn't hesitate one second. The Bible says at the beginning of time before we were created, before the earth was created, that God the Father and Jesus had a meeting. God sees the future. He knows what's going to happen. He stands above time. And, and Jesus said, Dad, I'll die for them. I'll take a bullet. And I'm sure God the Father said to Jesus, are you sure? Because when you go to take the bullet, they're going to turn their back on you. They're not going to want you. They're, they're not going to want to have anything to do with God. And he said, yeah, didn't hesitate. That's how much he loves every lost soul on this planet. He would take a bullet for them without hesitation, and he did. Here's the second thought. This one's amazing. Jesus pursued the lost, and he still is he's pursuing the loss. So so think about this. You guys heard me tell a story about Tiger in lesson one and how he died. And, and, and I didn't think I could love a cat. That was our first cat that we owned. And I told my kids, I don't know if I can love a cat. I don't know if we should get one because I love dogs, but I don't think I can like a cat. And so we got Tiger and I fell in love with Tiger. Tiger was like a dog and uh, just the coolest guy ever. So when we got him, we declawed him and I know that's controversial, but we loved our furniture, so we had his clothes taken off, right? And and so We didn't want to let him outside, but he wanted to be outside. So he would hide behind things, and as soon as the door opened, he would just dart outside as fast as he could. And so we were always able to get him. He never ran too far, he stayed in the backyard. Well, he's a couple years old now, and I come home one day, and my daughters are in school. They're still in grade school, and uh, they're crying. They said, Dad, it's dark outside. They said, Tiger ran out today. He went into the woods, and he didn't come back. And they're like really crying. And I said, Go to bed, I'll take care of it. I walk out on our back deck, 10 minutes. Tiger, tiger, tiger! In our our yard, surrounded with woods. Back then, even more. After ten minutes, he didn't. He didn't answer. And we have coyotes in our woods. And I saw a bobcat walk down our drive one night at midnight. So there's some wild beast. He has no claws. I'm not even sure if he can climb up a tree. So I go in the house, grab a flashlight. And for about an hour, I'm walking through the woods in the dark, screaming, Tiger, thinking he might be injured laying down somewhere. And I'm looking everywhere. There's coyotes and there's whatever else. And I'm just trying to hunt Tiger down. After about an hour, I come in the house, grab the car keys. And like a fool, I open my windows and went up and down all these streets, screaming, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. I mean, I was pursuing him because I love this guy. I came home, wasn't there. I sat in a chair right near the back sliding door that he would walk in. I fell asleep there. I woke up the next morning and there he was with his head. He had this huge gash in his head. He got in a fight with something, but he made it home. We had to have him stitched up. But I pursued that guy. Well, let's, can we fast forward? We got a cat after him. We named him Bagheera. And I couldn't bond with Bagheera. I tried, I just couldn't bond with this guy. He just didn't like me and I didn't like him. I didn't treat him mean, but I couldn't bond with him. So I came home and he got lo- lost and told the kids, I said, go to bed, I'll go look for him. I walked out on that deck and I said, Bagheera! And I went to bed. <laughs> I did, I did. Do you see the difference of value there? You pursue what you value, right? You pursue what you value. So, so let, let me read a story to you. This is Luke 15.1. I'm sorry. I'm being honest. Uh, tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around to listen to Jesus. Verse 2. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of Moses started grumbling. This man is friendly with sinners. He even eats with them. Then Jesus told them this story. Listen. The lost to the religious guys when Jesus was living, they were like beggar. They had no, no high value on them. But to Jesus, the lost were like tiger. So he's, he's pursuing, he's going after. So Jesus decides, I'm going to tell three stories. And they're famous. These are famous Bible stories. If you've been reading the Bible, you know them. First one's the lost sheep. And we're going to read that. The second one is the lost coin. And that's the woman who loses a coin And she tears her house apart. She does spring cleaning in the winter, and she just tears everything apart until she finds her corn. Then she celebrates. Why? That corn's valuable. Jesus is about to show us how valuable a soul is to God. And then the third story is the prodigal son, right? And the the son leaves the dad. He decides to go off and squander all his money, and the dad walked out every day looking for him. Why? Because his son was valuable to him. Jesus is about to show these religious guys how valuable a soul is to God and to him. So listen to what he says. Here's the first story, verse 4. If any of you has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will you do? Won't you leave the 99 in the field and go look for the lost sheep until you find it? Now, sheep in Bible days were very valuable. Almost everybody owned sheep. Today, a couple of you in this service today, I mean, you own sheep. I've never owned a sheep, never will own a sheep. appreciate sheep, but I'll never own them, right? Um, but everybody knew what he was talking about, and everybody knew that sheep's so valuable, of course you would hunt it down, and you'd go find it, and so it shows you the value that God's placing on a soul. Well, my next thought, the third thought, we'll, we'll conclude this story. Here's the third thought. Heaven rejoices over just one one lost person being found, heaven rejoices. They, they go crazy up there. So listen how the story ends, verse 5 and 6. And when you find it, you will be so glad that you will put it on your shoulder and carry it home. Then you will call your friends and neighbors and say, let's celebrate. I found my lost sheep. That's what heaven does. And that's how valuable you are to heaven. And listen to how Jesus finishes this out, verse 7. Jesus said, in the same way, there is more happiness in heaven because of one sinner who turns to God than over 99 good people who don't need to. And here's what I want you to understand. Heaven celebrates over your life as a Christian. Every time something good happens in your life, every time you go down the right road, every time you do something cool, heaven goes crazy for you. But heaven goes the craziest when one lost person accepts Jesus. And I love to say this at the end of the service whenever I'm, you know, giving people an opportunity to accept Christ. I I, I just love to emphasize the fact that God himself celebrates in heaven. All of heaven, everything up there celebrates. That's how much value that God places on the lost. And I know for me, I have to remind myself of that and remind myself of how important it is. We can get lost in God's heart. For the lost. Here's a fourth thought. It's a doozy. It goes like this. Jesus hasn't returned because of the lost. Do you realize that every prophecy that has to be uh, accomplished, every Bible prophecy, and I love Bible prophecies, every Bible prophecy that has to come to pass, do you realize that everyone has come to pass? The book of Revelations, Daniel, Jesus could come right now, every prophecy is ready for him to come. So the only thing holding them back is souls. He's just waiting for the last person to accept Christ. Isn't that amazing? And and so the father hasn't told the son, go get him yet, because God stands above time. God knows the beginning to the end. So God knows what everybody's going to decide. He knows what every decision will be, and he hasn't yet looked at Jesus and said, come back, because not everybody has come into the kingdom. And God values people so long, he's postponing us going to the next incredible phase because he values souls. And then I think it's amazing when when you look at what the Bible says about this. Listen to 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. Now listen to this next verse. This is verse 12 you and I should look forward to that day. That's Jesus coming back for the church and hurry it along. So he he would, Peter was talking about people laughing at us saying, yeah, you guys have been saying Jesus is coming. He's never going to come. He said, no, no, he hasn't come just for souls. And then I like this. He says, we can hurry that day along. That means that if we get busy bringing people into, into the church, into Christ, he can come quicker. So here's a scenario I never want, guys. I don't want a a scene in heaven to take place where God the Father and Jesus, God the Son, are talking, and God the Father looks at Jesus and says, you know what? I could send you back, but believers are so slow winning people to the Lord that we just have to wait. There's more people they have to connect with God in their city. I don't ever want to hear that, but I know that's not going to ever be heard. You You know what's happening in heaven? God the Father is talking to Jesus, God the Son, and you know what he's saying in heaven? He's saying, you know what? Believers has done such a great job in Warren. They've done such a great job in Boardman connecting people with God. Let's have them open another campus because they need to go help this church over there, or they need to go help in this community. And I really believe that's what God is saying about our church. And that's why God hasn't yet come back. Think about it, the value of a lost soul. It means everything to God. People coming into the kingdom. That's why Jesus died. That, that's what God's pursuing. That's what re- makes heaven rejoice. And that's what God's waiting for. Now, I believe all of us are being stirred right now by God. We're just being stirred. And we're being reminded. Some of us used to think this way. And like me, it's easy to forget. God's stirring us. So if you were to ask me, okay, uh, Pastor Joe, I, I'm lost in God's heart for the lost. What, what is it that I can do to bring people into the kingdom? You know what? It's really simple. It's, it's just so simple. I'm gonna give you three things to do. Every one of you in this room can do it. And might I say this? I'll probably say it again. That's how important it is. When it comes to inviting someone to church or sharing Christ with someone, you probably will have three opportunities a year. In other words, you can't invite someone every week. You you run out of people, right? You only know so many people. And and so you get about three chances a year. And I'm gonna show you what to do in the meantime and what to do when you get that opportunity. And the reason I share that is so that you don't walk out of here condemned thinking thinking oh, I, I don't bring someone every week you can't bring someone every, you, you don't you can't share every day uh you, you may get opportunities once in a while but but it's 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 a desire in your heart and it's just some simple things that you and I can do so here's here's the first thing we can do we can pray for the lost and I know prayer scares a lot of people but it's so easy to pray you're just authentic praying from your heart but when it comes to praying, for the lost, God actually tells us how to do it. So I created this card. It's called the saved card. And the word saved is an acrostic. And that acrostic, every letter stands for something we can pray so God can save the lost. Isn't that amazing? And so I'm going to just go over those letters and exhort us today for a minute. Then we'll go to the next two points. And I also created a card called the Remodel card. And that acrostic, you can literally pray, pray for Christians. That's how you pray for Christians. Everything in the Bible you can pray going through that acrostic. So those cards are available on this campus, they're available in Boardman. I'm not trying to sell cards, but if you want a tool, I I don't know of anything like it anywhere in the country. It's just absolutely amazing. So that's something you can use. So let's talk about the S, right? S stands for send laborers. You see Matthew 9 there in the verses. Jesus said we can ask God to send people to people we're praying for, people we love, to tell those people about Jesus. I like to say it this way, to live the life and share Christ with people. You know, people have to respect someone before they'll listen to them. So I pray this way, especially for my relatives. Think about our relatives. Most of our relatives don't want to hear what we have to say, right? Right. So I have relatives all over the country, and I've been praying this way for them. And I just say, Lord, send somebody to them they'll respect. Send someone to them that will tell them about Christ. And I'm telling you, I could tell you story after story. I'm not going to take the time. Relatives contact me, and this takes years, but they'll contact me and say, hey, this guy I work with invited me here, and then I accepted Christ, and now I'm going to church. And it's just absolutely amazing what God is able to do. You just pray, Lord, send a laborer. And I, I pray this way for everybody, even the people that I, that I know that aren't relatives. I say, Lord, send someone else to them, too, to talk about Jesus. Send someone else to them to live the life, and God will pop someone into their lives. Here, here's what A stands for, awareness of sin. And in this scripture, you know what Jesus talks about? Jesus said the Holy Spirit, He can convict someone of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, So he will convict them that they they have a sin problem, that righteousness is available, and if they don't make it right, they'll be judged. And that's that's what God did in my life. Uh, At one moment, I was calling people that love Jesus a Jesus freak, and then people began to pray for me. And by the time they were done praying for me, I mean... I I was so convicted I couldn't sleep at night without thinking, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I need to do something. You can pray and ask God to release the Holy Spirit on someone. And and here's the next letter is, is V, and it just stands for Vision Restored. And this is amazing. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. You know what it says? That the God of this world blinds the minds of the unbelievers. I was like that. I was blind with religious thinking. Some people were blind with being atheist, whatever it might be. All it is is believing a lie. That's all it is. And the enemy starts programming us to believe lies from the day we're born. And what family we're born into, you know, determines what kind of lies it is and our past determines and you know what? that blinds us. And when someone comes to tell us about Jesus, you know what we do? I used to say, get lost, Jesus freak. I I go to church. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And I would just tell them off. You might do it something different. You might listen and just not listen. You know how you listen and not listen? And they walk away and you say, oh, I don't want to hear anything they have to say. Whatever it is, that's a blind mind. You know God can take blinders off, so I like to pray that, and I tell you what to pray underneath it. Here's, Here's a doozy the entrance of their heart being unlocked. And one of the verses there is Acts 16. There's this really wealthy businesswoman. Her name was Lydia. Paul, the apostle, was sharing to a group, and he was doing similar to what I'm doing, but he was just talking about Jesus. And uh, the Bible says that God opened Lydia's heart, and she believed what he was saying. You know what you should get from this, guys? It's not our job to bring someone into the kingdom. We, we're, our job is to live the life and share Christ with them. But it's God's job. And only God can convict a person, open a heart, take blinders off. But guess what? when we're lost in god's heart for the lost we can pray for people and your prayers are powerful and you need to know they're powerful some of my prayers for people have taken years so what just keep praying you're going to hear a story of something amazing god did for them and here's what the d stands for the d stands for doors open and this is just when you say lord open up an opportunity for me to share with them and god will have them ask you a question one day god god will have them look at you and say i don't know what to think about this or that and it's going to be an opportunity to say hey come to church, or, hey, um, let me tell you about what God did in my life, and you just share your testimony of how you met Jesus. that That's the first thing. When we get lost in God's heart for the lost, we can pray for the lost. Here, here's the second thing. We can display Christ before the lost. Do you know your actions are every bit as powerful as the words you share about Jesus? Your actions, Jesus said, we are the light of the world, and he said, let your light shine. So how, how do we display Christ? It's so simple. We just we just show the kindness of God when we're rubbing shoulders with people we show the love of God um, let me tell you some things that aren't good to do and only God's grace can help you not do them you know don't don't ever speak evil of somebody with another person especially if they're not a Christian because they will lose respect for you and they won't want to hear what you have to say they'll lose total it, wherever you work work hard because if a non-christian's watching you and you're not working hard they don't want to hear about your Jesus so that's what it means to display Christ. You just work hard. But some of you are sitting here saying, man, I blew it. No, you didn't. Listen, listen. You know one of the best ways to display Jesus is when you blow it and you go back to someone and say, you know, I blew it. Would you forgive me? Whew, that really makes people think, wow, there's something going on in your life if you ask for forgiveness so you can redeem any mistake that you make. And that shines the light really bright too. But let me tell you, how you're living in front of non-Christians right now, the people, your relatives, the people you work with, how you're living in front of them right now, it is speaking as loud as any words we could talk about Jesus. And it is powerful. It penetrates their hearts. Listen to this section of Scripture. Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. To live wisely means to live the way I just said. And then when you see an open door, you go into it. Verse 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. It's just that simple. So we can get lost in God's heart for the lost. What do we do? We just pray for him. I, I don't pray for the same person every day, but just pray once in a while for them. Um, I pray every day, but I pray for different people every day. And I have these people on my list. I'm praying for their salvation, and I know God's going to do something incredible. And the same people you pray for, God's going to do something incredible. And then I'm just living the life in front of them, as good as I can do it. I'm not perfect, but I know, I know some things not to do, and I know how to just show the kindness and love of God to people. And it's speaking volumes. Here's the third thing. We can share Christ. With the lost, you know Romans one sixteen says the power of God that brings people to salvation is the story of Jesus. He loved you. He died for you. God raised him up. He's the Savior. That 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 is more powerful than any words in the world, and they don't sound that powerful, but they penetrate hearts. It's absolutely amazing what those words can do. So, let me give you some some things to help you. When I was in Bible school, I, I went soul witnessing. So, you know. I did it twice a week, Friday and Saturday night. We would go to downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and, and we would go downtown in Tulsa, and I would just talk to street people, and I'd be out there a couple hours. We, we had so many people except Christ, we started a, a service on Saturday night for street people at the YMCA. We rented a room there, and I just had to be there. I had to be talking, but can I tell you something? Every time I went out, Every single time I had butterflies and I was nervous the first time I went to talk to somebody. Can I tell you something else? I'm going to be really transparent. Doing an altar call in church is the easiest thing in the world for me. Uh, but when I go one-on-one with people to this day, when, when I see an opportunity to say, hey, come to church, or I see an opportunity to, to where I can uh, tell them about Jesus... To this day, I have butterflies and I'm nervous and it's really hard to start the conversation. So I don't want you to feel bad, but God will give you grace. He always gives us grace to do what we need to do. That's the God we serve. But sooner or later, man, we have to step out. And remember, it's gonna be three times a year max that people you rub shoulders with, you're gonna have an opportunity to talk to or invite to church. It's not every day. What are you doing in the meantime? Praying for him, living the life before him, right? So Jesus told us this story. He said, there was this really rich guy. He represents God in the story. He had these servants and he decided to throw this huge banquet. And so he told his servants, go out and invite people to the banquet. So they invite these three people and all three people made excuses. And so they come back and said, they're all too busy. So the rich guy said, represents God. He said, go out and grab some other people that I didn't, didn't even invite for time. So they go out and they come back. They say, there's still a lot of room at the table. And then he shares his heart. He has such a value on the loss. And here's what he's saying to us too, to have this attitude. It's Luke 14, 23, 24. Here's the last thing he said. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads and the country lanes. And he says, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste of my banquet. Can I tell you what verse 24 is saying? If they don't accept Jesus, they can't go to heaven. That's all it's saying. The banquet represents going to heaven. But I want you to just see what he's saying to us. He's telling us, man, be passionate about this. Compel people when you begin to talk to him. And he's telling us, be on the lookout. He's telling us, be going, be looking for somebody you can share with. We can get lost in the heart of God. And when we do, man, it's amazing. How we can bring them into the kingdom. And so I want to congratulate believers, Borman here. Guys, we're doing a great job. I just want to keep us reminded, take us to the next level. Um, But God is doing amazing things in our midst. How many of you are glad and excited, Borman and Warren, that God pursued you and he brought you into the kingdom? And if you're excited about it, can we just let God know how excited we are that he did that in our lives and he wants to do it in other people's lives? That's absolutely amazing. Hey, Borman, Warren, let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to stir us up concerning eternity and how, man, we can fill heaven up. We can help you with that. And so, Lord, take what we heard today and show us any area of our life where we we need to put higher value on those that don't know you, Lord. Lord, give us your heart for the loss like we've never had before. And Lord, I know in my life, I'm so much happier when my focus is there as opposed to on Joe. And I thank you for bringing all of us to see your heart and hook up with your heart. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, maybe you came in today and boardman warned and you say, man, this is me. I don't know Christ and I want to know him. If you're here and that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. So I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you were water baptized as a baby and an adult, you can do all that and never know Jesus. Here's what I'm asking Can you remember a day when you made it personal and you said, Jesus, I believe you died for me, I believe you're the Savior, and I make a decision today to accept you? Can you remember that day? And if you can't, why not today? I want to ask all of us, if you're here and you say, that's me, would you pray with me right now? And then the rest of us, can we help them pray? And just let, let's join in with them. Let's help them. Would you pray this boardman, Warren, say this after me. Uh, say, Lord God, I realize I was born a sinner, but today I'm going to change that. Today I'm accepting Christ. Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. Thank you for dying for me. And today, I believe in you and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.